Thank you for tuning in to Cop with Comic. I'm Brian Cop, and we're here with Comic Douglas Whiting. Douglas Whitek, how the hell are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you, Brian? Oh, good. Yeah, thank you so much for going on, for coming on. I'm doing fine. And your musical improv and musical sketch is all over the internet. On Twitter, you are D Whitek. Yes. And on um, Instagram, you're Douglas Whitek. You know it. But you're doing everything. You got um, you got your main improv gig is yeah. North Coast. Yeah, founded in 2009. I've been doing North Coast for a decade now, and we have oh, a Lord. we have a lot of fun. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Most improv teams have like a two year expiration. <laughs> <laughs> and is but, yours? Is it is it all musical improv or is it uh, kind of a mix? So it's hip hop improv. Yeah. Uh, so we do freestyling. Uh, we have beatboxer on stage with us instead of a pianist, and uh-huh. so we um, we rap when the when the scene gets kind of cooking and really interesting. That's when the rap will come in. <laughs> that must be impossible to Im- improv imp- imp- improvise. Like it's like it's... rapping because it has to rhyme too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely a weird hybrid of two very difficult crafts. Like long form improv is challenging enough, and then we're like, actually, let's make this a little bit harder. <laughs> My lord! And so is the beatboxer comedic too? Uh, a lot of them have comedy backgrounds, but mm-hmm. not not all not all of them. Some of them are just beatboxers who we rehearse with and train them how to know when to come in. Wow! And there's yeah. there's a lot of you. I almost it's over ten, right? Like yeah. you, you guys have all been together for a decade or have a couple no. people dropped out of the city? Oh, no. Improv has a big turnover yeah. rate. Uh, people are like, this isn't paying my bills or making me <laughs> famous. I'm out of here. <laughs> so I'm one of the only OGs left. And then James Robolada, uh, the other co-founding member, is still around. Uh, but one of our longest running members just moved to Portland. The 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 pandemic was like the last straw for New York for her. So oh, she was no. like, I'm out of here. I need a lawn. I need a backyard. <sighs> yeah. Fuck. And then you're like, can we do our show on your lawn, please? Seriously. Well, <laughs> the improv scene in Portland is phenomenal. There's three yeah. theaters out there and just a thriving scene. So we're going to visit. Nope. No oh, doubt. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I was. I was almost going to ask, are you tempted to move? But as long as it's a touring destination, you don't have to. Right. Exactly. <sighs> you know, it's that thing where it's like millennials like access to things. They don't want to own anything. Yeah. And so I just live in New York so that I can access all the branches of this wonderful world we live in. Yeah. And so I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. So how did you fall in? How did you fall into hip hop improv? Like I would it, think, it, yeah. did it happen ten years ago with kind of the rise of hip hop? Or I mean, you know, I suppose the rise of hip hop was thirty years ago or something, or twenty years ago. Yeah, well, musical improv was having a rise. I think hip hop was already fully huge. And I, what what it was was the the founder of the team is not me. The founder of the team is James Robolada, but we're both founding members. And James Robolada had this idea to do like a rapping baby wants candy do you know what baby wants candy is i think i remember but yeah refresh refresh so baby wants candy is like the chicago og musical improv team they've got the strongest brand in musical improv and they um they had already been doing it for like a decade at that point a little more actually they were founded in 1997 and 
Yeah, I know. And um, they were just unbelievable. And we also saw two members of Baby doing two prov, and they were called I Eat Pandas. And so, <sighs> j- yeah, so good. And so, musical improv was the super inspirational thing for young improvisers to be watching, especially when it was really good scene work. It was. It always felt transcendent because songs tend to be a crutch in musical improv. It's like, uh oh, this scene's not going very well. Well, this is kind of funny, and we are making laughter right (laughs) but when you have really strong scene then the songs are just absolutely transcendent and so i saw that and um i start decided to take a musical improv class and that's where i met james and he was the one that pitched the idea for hip-hop improv uh to me and i was like count me in and uh the first rehearsal was like that weekend well, so that's cool, though, because, I mean, yeah, you guys have longevity, but you said baby, baby want candy. I mean, it's like you guys are nothing compared to their longevity, right? And it's it's so cool that you found a good team to look up to, because if you had mm-hmm. found a different improv program to look up to, they would have mm-hmm. broken up in a couple of years and, and taught you the wrong lessons. Yeah, for sure. We've always looked up to Baby Wants Candy, Improvised Shakespeare, TJ and Dave, these long standing brands that people say, you know what? What's a good Friday night out? My friends are in from Michigan. I want to take them to something. What's a consistent improv show that has North a Coast. unique niche, right? Yeah, and then it's like, oh, I know this show at the pit every Saturday night, North Coast. And so we're every Saturday. So we have that kind of like calling card show every Saturday that serves as sort of like a reminder, like we out here, we're here doing it. I mean, were you able to kind of keep this up during the quarantine at all via via Zoom? I mean, is, is improv just impossible, especially musical improv? Because the beatboxing, I would think you can't even sync it up. <laughs> it's extremely difficult. The syncing issues are frankly depressing. But we have been teaching classes. We've been doing shows. We've been doing Instagram freestyle sessions where people have been playing a beat behind themselves. So we're trying to keep the torch lit. But we are taking like a couple weeks off just because... August is notorious for people being like, um, I'm like vegging by a pool right now. I don't yeah. want to do anything. Yeah, so, everybody always left in August anyway. So like, yeah, how do you even stay sharp either during an August or just in general? Like, I would think impro- impro- improvisational professionals, like improvisers, have to yeah. stay sharp. They yeah. have to perform all the time to keep that comedy brain sharp. Like, I can't even do that shit. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a muscle. How do you, yeah, how do you, and, and I think I have somebody coming on later today who might have been there with Del Close back in the 80s or 90s, and one thing I wanted to ask, and I probably can ask you, is how the fuck do you, <laughs> do you, do you, do you imp, imp, like, impose control? Like, somebody who likes stand-up because it has control. Um, yeah. When you get out there and you have no control, you can't hog the spotlight, you have no idea if somebody's going to take, like, how, is there any way to impose control in improv? Sure. I think the way you impose control and improv is via your craft. It's that you know you're on stage with a bunch of other craftspersons who understand the mechanisms and techniques of improv on a deep enough level that you all that that's your um, risk spread is that everyone on stage has each other's back. Right. Mm. If it's just two people, that's even riskier. Right. But if it's four people who know what they're doing, someone's going to save someone because they're Uh all have the craft. The only time the ship truly 
truly tanks is if you're in a narrative show and the audience does not like that story (laughs) then you have to figure (laughs) then you have to figure out okay well how can we give them what they want and so you can sometimes pivot and give them what they want but that's actually one of the beautiful things about improv compared to stand-up is if you're tanking but you only have your set your 10 minute set <laughs> i mean then it's like okay well then now then that's when our, i've seen stand-ups get angry at the audience <laughs> where it's like okay wait we can pivot as an improv team we can give you more of what you want and um when you're on the road you learn those lessons quick really because the road is harder i think the road is it, harder is relative because it's like when you're in New York, there's something harder about New York audiences who are like, huh, I'm a New York audience. Impress me. Right. <laughs> but then you'll go on the road sometimes and it's either too easy or too hard. Uh. And so you learn quickly how to pivot. And also doing corporate and college gigs gives you a lot of different um, skill sets as well. Wow. And so uh, corporate, they're just not ready for comedy or whatever. And so you have to... Um... I don't know, get them ready to laugh or something like that when they're just at work or something? Yeah, they're like eating shrimp cocktail and you have to make them stop their conversation with their coworker. <laughs> so how and do you so, even do that? You just have such a, a shocking idea or something that you run with so they, they pay attention? Yeah, that's one way. Also, the beatboxer tends to stop people in their tracks. It's like <laughs> everyone's talking and then you hear like, and it gets really... You're pretty good at that. Do you ever fill in as a beatboxer in your show? I've had to before, yeah, yeah but uh, you it's know, probably when not I... what you prefer though, because you can't really flex your comedy chops if you're beat providing the beat all show. Yeah, it can be hard. Like I've done two prov with um actually one of our beatboxers who improvises. Her name's Kayla Malady. She's actually a world beatbox champion. And we did a little tour one time in New Orleans where we did four dates and we would pass the beat back and forth. Yeah, we just call that jazz, the... funeral. <laughs> jazz funeral. Jazz funeral. And then how does this relate to things like very own song and toxic masculinity? Tell me about each and then we'll kind of time all together via the the miracle that is Douglas Whitek. Oh, my God. I'm a miracle. Thank you, Brian. Uh, that feels it's, good to hear. From yeah, it's on audio, man. It's mom. recorded. We're going to we're going to cut this clip and everybody will know that I said it. Hell yeah. I'm going to post the audiogram and I'm going to be like, look, you heard it here. Brian Poppins says I'm a miracle. Yeah. Uh, no longer am I touting my own relevance. <laughs> Um, so yeah. Okay. So very own song, just to answer in the order that you asked is my new, uh, custom song website. So it's not really a comedy outlet as much. I mean, it is a comedy outlet, but it's more like an e-commerce digital product (laughs) where people can order a song for someone in their life. So they can be like, Hey, I want to say thank you to Greg who referred (laughs) me to this client. And then, um, I, I've done those. Like I've done, thank you for referring me to the client song. Yeah, I was thinking so, it'd be something like happy birthday or whatever, but I like, thank you, Greg, for this referral. That's hilarious. And you could just make that funny. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, are, are all, all these things funny or are you, are you sometimes trying to like be consistent with romance by being, you know, funny and sweet? I've done um, I've done serious ones. We brand it as hilarious, but we have gotten we've gotten serious orders. I did one for someone's 70th birthday recently, uh, and it was like a two minute you know, epoch about this guy's life. Wow. That took a lot of work. So hopefully you're charging enough. Yeah, I am. And I'm also starting to leverage like my database of tracks that I've made so that I can Uh. quickly get moving and uh, just write the lyrics and be like, Hey, that's a pretty generic country chord progression. Now I can just go straight into the lyrics section. And do you even ask for stuff like that? Like what is this person's favorite genre? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's all in the form, in the order form. <laughs> and they're like, this person's in their 70s, so big band, and you're like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have actually just did a swing one, uh, oh, which is Lord. just like I added like logic horns. And I mean, uh, it is crazy what you can do with a few samples now. It is just unbelievable. Uh, things Things sound so much more expensive than they are because of the samples that you can get on these huge sample databases so like you hear like beats on the radio radio you're like wow that must have been a symphonic orchestra in the studio and it's like that was a guy on his laptop on a car ride ah. like the, yeah no but seriously like there's some of these apps like sibelius and the, you can just type in on your keyboard typing and it sounds like a huge symphonic orchestra it's pretty cool and so i mean is that stuff like what do you say sibelius what do you say uh, I think it's uh, Sibelius is actually the ones that make Finale, which is the notation software. I'm trying to think of the one that makes the high fidelity orchestration software. It sounds like Sibelius, uh, but I, I mean, even the orchestration software in Logic, the native ones are incredible. But the the best sampling software I use is for drumming. It's called Superior Drummer, and it's a $400 app. It's no small uh chunk of change but the amount of care that went in to building these drum samples is the best in the world it's it, you just feel like you have access to pro drummers wow that, and that's what i need like you know, i've been in a lot of <laughs> bands and the least responsible person is always the drummer because he's in about five bands at once because he has mm -hmm. no ownership over any of the music he just shows up and right you know track. gets laid yeah sits down yeah. put yeah br puts down the beat and then gets laid afterwards and then goes to his four other bands that weekend but um I yeah mean, that's just fucking cool and so and it's worth the money too i mean if you're able to sound like a thousand dollars you're willing to pay four hundred dollars and did yeah. you do any of this stuff in toxic masculinity the musical yeah, so for Toxic, that's a musical written by Ken McGraw and I. He's a musical and and sketch comedian in New York. And so I programmed and uh, composed all the music for that score with Ken over the course of a year, from March 2018 to March 2019. Wow. We worked for a year on the show. We said, if we're going to put something out there and we're going to do a spank, which is the audition for a run at UCB okay. um, we we want it to be something we're super proud of that we want to do over and over again and uh, because when once you start doing this show you're stuck with it and <laughs> you know it's for it's not like stuff. improv where you can change it right exactly so, we so funny to... like for you you're like we better fucking like this show because we can't just throw out more words or something exactly exactly uh -huh. well, and you see people like five weeks into doing their uh spank once it gets a run they're just like oh and they start like dicking around on stage and i'm like no we want this to be pound for pound joke for joke like non-stop onslaught of jokes yeah. so and you did really get run though didn't you get run in both new york city and la ucb yeah we did two nights in la wow. and we did nine months at the ucb theater <laughs> yeah my lord, if you did not like that show, nine fucking months. And how many nights a week would you do it for nine months? Oh, so it was for two shows a week. UCB has a model where it's you do it two times. I'm sorry, not two times a week, two times a month. Okay. And um, so we wanted to do it more. We were like, yeah. come on, come on. So that's why we were doing a showcase of 54 Below that got canceled because of the pandemic. Right. Which because you wanted like to do it more than 18. Ago. <laughs> you're like remember that when we got canceled at 54 below it's like dude that was like four months ago six months ago yeah seriously. uh and so like so nine months was what two times a month so it was about 18 performances at ucb new york yeah about yeah
And did they, at what point did they stop in New York City vis-a-vis your performance? Like right after you guys wrapped up your musical, your, your, uh, your toxic masculinity, they closed down. They're like, we've seen it all. We've seen the best comedy in the world. We can fucking shut down. Yeah, they were like, uh, you know what? The pandemic was not the reason that we shut down our doors. <laughs> we shut down the doors because nothing will ever trounce toxic masculinity, the musical. Yeah. And so, yeah, so how did that, um, you know, like content wise, how did that talk about toxic masculinity through what kind of lens? Were, yeah. were these a couple characters, Gavin and Trent? It says, Gavin and Trent are here to teach you their lifestyle through song, dance, and the strong power of bromance. That's adorable. So, and yeah. so were you kind of, were they bros? Were they uh, toxic bros? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, you're sh- when you show up to Toxic Masculinity, the musical, we greet you as if you just entered a seminar on how to get it in, on how yes. to, uh, on how to bone, on how to. The game, the secret. Yeah. Yeah, basically. And so you show up and um, we introduce ourselves as the ultimate fuckboys. And uh, we the opening number is called I'm a fuckboy. And um, and so we teach the audience that. And then there's an inciting incident where they end up doing a date live on stage because they get a tinder match live on stage so they're like you know what we could explain this to you or we could show you that is cool yeah and so then that's when things go awry and And you bring somebody on i mean like you don't bring an audience member on stage maybe it's a plant but you have an actress who's who's ready to an actor or an actress who's ready to play out the other side of the date no, so because it's a two-man musical, we tried to keep the variables way, way down. Okay. And so we actually act out to the actress who would be in the show. And okay. so she's talking to us, but the audience isn't hearing her. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so we're responding to her dialogue and then you kind of using leading questions to show what she said. Uh-huh. Um, but for a longer version, we were considering potentially putting her in the show. Uh, her name is Brooke Cook, the okay person and we end up i'm not going to give away what the little twist is but um the the way we examine toxic masculinity is through the way she treats us and you'll see uh, they get a, they get a taste of their own medicine uh, and is this clipped on the instagram like if i fire up all your instagram clips am i going to see that date uh you'll see parts of it yeah we have uh, that and then we also have some um youtube clips that i can send you if you want but yeah there's some fun stuff on the instagram for sure and it looks like yeah, the New York Times had you as the five comedy shows to catch in NYC this weekend. That's awesome. You yeah, and Bridget Everett. <laughs> I know that was a crazy. That was a crazy morning. To did be you like, ever, yeah. What, did you ever think that that could be something that you know you're listed next to you know an icon like Bridget Everett? No, I never. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love these things. Like we don't even know what to dream when we're young. We don't even know what's possible. Like, do you ever know that you would have a nine month run at UCB just you and your your comedy partner? Yeah, no, I didn't. And like, it's funny because um, we're always wanting more and more and more. But if you had told 21 year old me that we did a nine month run at UCB, I would have been I would have been ecstatic. I would have been like, oh, this is the the best thing ever. But then it's like, okay, well, well, you know, I'm not on Saturday Night Live. I'm not I'm not on I'm not the face of Verizon or whatever. Like, you know, these jobs where people are set for life or whatever. But like. There's no sure thing. And the, even the people who get those jobs wake up and are a person whose knee might hurt or, you know, uh, has a frustrating uh, feeling in their soul or whatever. Like, n- like you have to be cool with yourself now. There's no destination yeah. that comes from a career. Uh, oh, yeah. Even the, yeah, the face of Verizon wouldn't be able to have the, the, 
twice a month for nine month laughs that Douglas Wydick has. Exactly. Everybody wants what, what someone else has. Yeah. And so, yeah, what's kind of next? So I'm following you here. You're D Wydick at Twitter. Yeah. You're Douglas Wydick at Instagram. Like if I'm following this, and of course I do, North Coast, NYC, mm-hmm. very own song, Toxic Masculinity, underscore the musical. Uh, what's going to be the next thing to pop? What's going to be the next thing that's going to have a new con- new content on it? Yeah, well, I'm really trying to put more content out on my personal Instagram. So that's really been the focus lately. And I'm going to kind of cross promote that between YouTube. Okay. So I'm probably going to start doing um, some like uh, YouTube uh, f- like finance bros. So there's like this whole <laughs> culture of stock bros online who like they're kind of like, OK, these are my picks for the week. I'm going to be investing in Tesla. I'm going to be investing in Baidu. And, Tesla? Uh, you my can, Lord. I know. Well, now it's completely popped. I, I'm very scared for anyone who has a uh, significant holdings because it popped past 2000. And I mean, yes, the yes, the the company is profitable but it's just such a high valuation i'm worried that there's going to be a big big decline but you're going to play one of those finance bros and kind of sketch online content for that's funny because like how much of of that is a tip it's like oh you're going to bring my attention to fucking tesla thanks for that yeah (laughs) where'd you get out that you learned about elon musk on fucking twitter like like right i'm I'm gonna pay two thousand dollars a share for that piece of shit no like tell me about some things that are about to pop not things that are about ready to fucking crash right and most of it is people just going on hunches like when you watch these videos it's just someone pulling up the the ticker not the ticker uh like the graph of it going up and being like look it's going up and so (laughs) like these people they're not looking at the hard data and so I want to make fun of that. The fact that so much of it is just a hunch. Yeah. Or is it their astrological sign? And they're going to be like finance bros. Like, are they going to be the same type of thing that toxic masculinity did so well? Yeah. Like, I think there's just this corner of the internet of people just getting really hyped up about finance. And I want to kind of tap into that. So I'm, I'm probably going to call it Brock Stocks Picks. Nice. Yeah. Brock Stocks. And because uh, is the character going to be Brock? Yeah. <laughs> so just be like, that's all you had to say yeah and we, we know exactly who fucking brock is yeah 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 exactly it's like yo some of these chinese stocks are popping right now so uh lee auto just raised one billion dollars i think it's very promising all that stuff you're almost like bobby bottle service nick kroll's character you oh really smooth, uh-huh. you got that but no meaning it's that smooth i mean you probably can listen to it to make sure that you're distinct enough but it's that smooth douchey voice <laughs> Yeah, smooth douche. Dude, but yeah, I mean, he's the opposite of smooth douche. Douglas Wydick, thank you so much. Oh, of course.